What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Money Market Truth. I am Marcus, and this is... Hi, guys. This is Mo from OTB Clubhouse. Hopefully, you guys had a wonderful week and weekend. Obviously, we're now once again in a market that is somewhat difficult to determine what direction is going. So we're going to start right off by getting into how the market is reacting and what Mo thinks. Mo, what do you think? What is what do you consider this right now that's happening? Everything's been going up. You know, we were supposed to be in a recession. What's happening? So um, I think three weeks ago, so our, uh, I would say the fifth podcast, fifth episode, uh, we went over Bollinger Bands and we talked about a bounce coming. And that happened perfectly. And we'll go over the charts uh, in the next few minutes. And we said that it will bounce. And these bounces are called bear market rally. And the reason why they're called bear market rally is because we're in a bear market. And these rallies are basically a sense of short covering, triggering through Vena, Gamma, and Charm. And that's what we saw. And the levels that I gave you were 40, 150, and 4,200. That's where we should um, basically phase off, meaning we should uh, get another bear market. We're looking at uh, another drop. Um, the flow, I've never seen anything like that before. Um, just so you have an idea, Mark, on the next OPEX, which is um, June 17th, um, roughly 6.1% worth equivalent of total equity U.S. market is expiring in terms of option chain. I've never seen anything like that before. Now, what that could cause is a big drop, big enough to cause a circuit breaker or nothing might happen. So it all depends on what does the dealer do? Do they roll those? Do they uh, let them expire worthless or do they take profits? So based on um, what they do, we will find out what happens to the market. And that's on 17th of June. And then we have the VIX expiration on 22nd of June. Uh, but I think uh, we're coming very close to, uh, for this rally to end now. Um, there's a lot of factors. Um, involved. Uh, the first is um, there's a ticker called TNX. Um, that's the 10-year bond yield. And that uh, the interest rate on that starting to go up. That going up is really bad for tech. And that started happening last week. Um, second thing is I'd like to show that on the chart so people can actually see both technical and fundamental. Um, okay. So let me pull it up now. Yeah. All right, let's get straight to it. So let me add... Bollinger Bands to it. So if we look at, uh, we're going to pull the daily like we spoke about. Um, this was the bounce where we said, sorry, not here, or daily. Yeah. So if you guys see that we bounced off from 38.22, now we're heading to the top of the Bollinger Band, which someone can call as overbought situation. Um, that's one way of looking at this is overbought. But if you, well, let me get off the... Let me just draw a resistance here to show you guys why this resistance is very crucial. Let's make this solid so you guys. So if you guys look at it, this 41.55 level, we've bounced off of it one, two, three, four, five, six. But in the past, if you guys notice, this has been a key level and we've touched it multiple times and it seems like we're having an exhaustion here. Um, so this is more so technical on the BB level. We're seeing overbought 
on the support or sorry on resistance you could see there's been multiple touches and we failed every single touch um i'd say six touches so far apart from that tnx is rising apart from that on last friday we saw 150 million dollar in puts every day we're getting 20 to 30 million of puts coming in and it's coming for the expiry of July 15th, which is the July OPEX. And what they're doing here is they keep adding more. As we average, uh, as the market goes up, they either roll over, meaning let's say they have, um, they added 370 puts. Now let's say the market goes up, they're selling those uh, puts and going 392 or 393. We saw 6 million on 392 puts that came in today. And they're all coming on July. However, the red flag today, I saw a lot of them come for June 17th now. So that is not good. And listening to this podcast doesn't mean you go in the morning tomorrow and just start buying put. But we always f follow the flow. This level of uh, flow I saw in Feb and I saw it in March. And just so you guys understand, the worst month of a year is usually September, but the worst month of the year and the mid-election year is June. So I think this month, following the flow and everything that's going, might be the worst drop for the rest of the year. I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I meant what's happened in the past. So compared to Feb and March, this might be much steeper. Yeah, it's definitely um, looking that way as well, because usually in the past, the summer, right, was usually good months, right? Things will kind of rally a little bit, but it's not looking like that. Once again, I know we always may seem like we're being negative, but the fact is we're kind of being truthful over here. We don't want to tell you guys to go out and start buying things when it's clearly a recession. Uh, I know a lot of people out there are saying that we probably potentially hit the bottom. Um, on a technical level, because on a technicals, it does look like we're kind of close to the bottom. But again, we have to look at the fundamental side of things too, ma macro and microeconomics as well. There is nothing that's really indicating for us to go up. What was it? Microsoft just um, reported last week that they uh, their guidance was kind of weak, right? They're, yep. they're adjusting a few things. Tesla's laying off 10% of his force. Um, people stop hiring. People are putting hiring freezes there. People are laying folks off. Uh, I, I know the jobs numbers came in. It was higher than expected, which was a little odd. Again, I'm not, sh I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not a conspiracy theorist or nothing. I'm just saying it's just I'm not seeing that the job numbers that increase what was it 340,000, I believe. It, it, to me, it's just really odd because a month prior to that, we had lost 300 and around 350 jobs from what I believe, and. Again, there, it's, it just seems like maybe this stuff is being manipulated a little bit to give people this false hope. It's also when those numbers came in, that also gives the Fed a little bit more incentives on doing the um, tightening, right? Um, so that, uh, that makes me a little nervous in general because that means he could be more hawkish. It means he can potentially increase the interest rates a little bit more. Um, I don't think he's going to. I feel like he's been pretty transparent up front with everyone about like what he's going to raise. But again, maybe he's just kind of grooming us to be comfortable with continually raising it, maybe beyond the points that were expected. Um, so I'm still very, very much bearish currently. Again, we're in, in a war right now. We're going to probably get involved a lot more, especially like just knowing the stuff that I've seen in the past by being in the military for 15 years and working for the, for the military and the government. 
Um, when we insert ourselves into something, I don't really see us backing off anytime soon. I see us actually inserting ourselves even more. So I'm not uh, very optimistic on how this stuff is going to play out unless Russia pulls back completely and takes an L, which again, just knowing Russia, that's something that they're not known to do. They need to have some sort of win for them to pull back where it makes it seem like they willingly are pulling back versus being forced to pull back. So I'm not seeing that. I mean, you look at the gas prices, I'm feeling it. I mean, every time I go to the gas tank, it's over a hundred dollars. So, I mean, is the economy really doing better? It seems like every time I put gas in my car, it's more and more expensive. Um, yeah, I do drive a huge SUV, but even my hybrid vehicle, I went from 35 bucks to like 65 bucks on average. I go to grocery stores and my bill is skyrocketing like crazy. Not only that, it seems like supplies are just um, becoming harder and harder to get baby formula. You know, we're dealing with that. Obviously, I don't have any little kids, so I, I don't suffer from that uh, problem right now. But just looking at the economy in general, it's not looking good. You drive by a car lot, there's barely any used cars there. And the ones that they do have is severely overpriced. So I don't know where people are getting this idea from that right now, the economy is great. Uh, we should see a, a bullish run right now. There's nothing I see right now. We still have supply chain issues. So we're just trying to be real with you because I know there's a lot of YouTubers, especially ones who have millions of followers, who will tell you guys, this is the bottom. It's time to buy. It's time to buy. I'm telling you from uh, at least me, I'm not buying. I'm not buying anything right now. As you guys know, if you listen to this podcast, I'm investor first, trader second. I'm not buying anything right now. I actually sold out of all my Microsoft positions that I bought at 159. Um, so I took a little small profit before it started going down. I don't know where it's at right now. I didn't pay attention. Um, but everything right now is running. I just think it's false hope to get retailers, retail investors to start investing again and buying just for the rug we pulled up, out from underneath them. What, what are your thoughts on that? Or I'm a little bit off on that. No, man, you made a couple of good points. So the job numbers, it's cute because if you've been looking for a job six months or longer, they take you out. Because you're not, they they are looking for people that are actively looking, and if you're look if you've been doing it for six months or more, they take. So that's why the numbers are skewed. Second thing you said, if the numbers are good, the market dropped. The reason for that is the sentiment is if the market is doing good, Feds can be more strict and they can do worse in terms of interest rates. So that's why the market reacted negatively to that. And third thing you're seeing, you're talking like a consumer here, and we've talked about this months ago. If price of oil goes up, food, diaper, um, baby powder, are you interested in buying the dip or are you worried about feeding your family? And that's where we're at now. Yeah. People yeah. are going to make those choices. And even though they like most people logically understand that the market always goes back up long term, you'll make money. But then you have these short term constraints because you don't have unlimited supply of money. And that's what most people don't understand on Twitter. Those guys are buying the dip and they're never going to run out of money, right? Because mm -hmm. they've got unlimited supply of money and I'm being sarcastic. There's no way you, let's say, doesn't matter if you have a million or 10 million. If you're buying, 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 and now give you an example, UPST coin down from 500 to 50, coin down from 300, snow down from 400 to now 60, 70, same thing with SC. No matter how much money you have, you're down 50 to 60% because most of these people were high growth people. They weren't those investors that were saying, let me put someone in bonds, some in commodities, some in high growth. It was mostly focused on tech, high growth. And basically, there's no way, regardless of how much money you have, you either hold or you keep buying the dip. 
that's the problem. At some point, you have to take the L or stop buying, right? Yeah. But saying that I stopped buying, I sold mine, or I took a L means you're wrong, and most people don't want to be wrong, right? So that's what's been happening. I think there's two kinds of people on Twitter right now, and they're both wrong. One says, you know, the dip's done. Um, we're going to crash, and we're going to go down to 2,000. I don't think we should think that because the market's different, the economy is different, and the amount of money that's been printed, um, it's a completely different environment. And then there's a second school of thought that says we're going to end 5,100 this year. I think they're getting over, they're getting ahead of themselves. They need to chill out. You, like, regardless if you're an investor or a trader, you still want to think level to level, right? Mm -hmm. You can't say Apple's going to go to 50. Apple needs to go to 126 first, then 112, then 100, then. That's how you have to think. If you think at 50, you're not going to buy till 50, and it might never hit 50. It might hit 112 and go up. That's why you have to have different level of buying. And that's yeah. and that confuses, like, you can't, I can't give you level. Because what if it never hits that level? It's happened to me. I said, Tesla fit 500, I'm going to buy it. Tesla hit 550 and went back to 1200. And that's when I'm like, okay, I can't do that. I need to have steps, buying steps where at this level, I'll buy this so I can get some in, right? I might be yeah. right about 126, but I might be wrong about 112. All these people telling that they have algos and they're feeding them numbers and they're going to give them a number and that number is going to hit, wouldn't be selling that if that was accurate. You could just go to Goldman Sachs and be like, how much would you pay for something like this? Because they don't have that shit either. And... We're going to talk about it today. Follow the flow. How should retail look at flow? Flow is also incorrect. Okay. Flow is last week, all these bearish flows that were coming, they were losing money and they were rolling. They were losing in millions. So funds are not always correct. I have people, I have friends that either have worked at an institution or ran one and they will tell you, yes, it helps you, but it doesn't mean you're immune to what's happening. Funds are equally losing money. If you have the biggest edge, you know what those two things are? Biggest two things, risk management and discipline. These technical indicators, they're just your support system in the toolkit. They're not make it or be all. Like I do supply and demand. Doesn't mean that's the best indicator. That's what I focus on. I've got results. I got consistency and I help. it helps me, right? So that's why I'm using it. That doesn't mean you using moving averages or resistance or supports wrong. So that's literally what people are doing, though. It's nothing. Like your biggest edge is risk management. It is discipline. It's mindset, which you cannot really teach. You have to go through it yourself. Uh, sorry for going on a rant, but like I just want to make people understand that there's no formula that gets you from point A to point B. It's not a straight line. I agree 100% with you, everything you just said. I was having this good conversation with Q a couple of days ago as well, where I was talking about Warren Buffett. How everyone keeps comparing themselves to Warren Buffett or like Warren Buffett is like the ultimate guy, right? And in and my argument was the guy isn't the greatest investor of all time. He's just the greatest um, individual who has a level of patience and discipline that most don't have. And Q was actually kind of the one who was kind of informing, informing me on that. He was like, you know, he, he isn't the greatest investor. He's just, he's really good with patience and discipline. And the guy is like, what, 80, 90 years old? I don't know how old he is, but he's been around for almost like 100 years. And the fact is he started in an early age where a lot of these companies that are considered blue chips now were 
growth stocks, right? There were brand new companies that were emerging and he invested money in there and he just left it. So that's one thing we have to understand. A lot of us haven't been through a bearish market yet. I know I haven't. I don't know about you, Mo, but I know most people haven't actually felt what a bearish market is like. And I think naturally we just instinctively, because we've just been in the markets for such a short time, we have this optimistic, positive outlook where it's like, no, the year is going to definitely end good. And I'm going to keep buying these dips and keep buying these dips. And it's not really working out right now. Not at all. So what they have is called the recency bias. And that's what the book Psychology of Money talks about. I still do think the next five year, a lot of people will become millionaires. They will add a zero or two zeros in their net worth. You just have to do the right thing. And for me, the right thing was trading and the amount of money you can make playing putts. It's the investors. You could still short stocks if you don't want to play options. So there's other options for you. Buying the dip is fine too, but we're talking about like, looking at overall growth and putting money on good companies. If people started buying, and I'm talking about real investors, no real investor with a million dollar will put half a million on coin or UPSD. They're going to put two to 3% of that kind of money in these high growth stocks. And if they go down by 50%, it doesn't really do much. Like there's someone on Twitter that I started following when I first started trading and their portfolio in this November was 1.2 million. And their portfolio now is 400K. And so in eight months, they're down like, I think, 70%. And all their money is in high growth, right? Yeah. Um, the, the coins, the Roblox, the, I'm sure like the SoFi, the Palantirs, all those, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's rough. So you guys just kind of, you know, hang in there. You know, one thing I've been learning and looking into as well. This is for everybody who has been buying and investing in stocks. If you have over 100 shares in a, in a company, start looking to potentially doing cover calls. That's what I'm learning about right now as well. I'm trying to get to 100 shares in Apple soon because even though the market's going down, you know, I am buying uh, it at a discount when it does hit. You know, I have my levels set for Apple and Apple's just one of those I'm going to buy regardless of what's going on in the economy. I'm going to buy at these levels. But if I get 100 shares, I can start working with cover calls and I could make some sort of passive income. There is some you know, risk to award, but I think maybe one of the days I'm going to come on this show and we're going to talk about cover calls once I kind of have the, the, the whole fundamentals down because I don't want to talk about something I just haven't done myself yet or back tested enough. Um, I'm still learning it. But if you are an investor and if you do have over 100 shares in a company, it has to be liquid, of course. Um, for example, I got um, Blend Labs. I have over 100 shares. It's not liquid. There's it, not even a reason for me to do cover calls like eight bucks for 2024 or something like that. It's, it's not worth it, right? Um, but that that prevents you from, you know, just leaving money on the table. You can at least make some sort of money to try to offset a little bit of the loss that's happening. You know, worst case scenario, obviously, your your shares will get sold at a higher price because you want to actually, you know, set the cover calls at a higher price than what you bought it at. That's worst case scenario. You, you end up selling your shares, but in the end of the day, you're still making a profit. So I'm looking into a little bit. So we have to start looking at other strategies besides just the basic call puts, futures, buy, sell. Look at other strategies that are out there because there are different ones that can help you during an environment like we're currently going through. Because if you're not good like Mo with just buying calls or buying puts and and you, you just don't have that mindset, there's other strategies out there that might just help you. The profit might be limited but your downside risk will also be limited. 
Well, yeah, like like we were talking about earlier, you don't have to play weeklies. Like if like there's different people with different risk tolerance. If you feel like the market is somewhat like topping off and you're like, let me go buy July 15 puts because there's about close to 500 million in puts and I can only risk, let's say, $200. And so I buy one put. The risk and reward there, again, not a financial right, isn't bad. You're not going to make $2,000 out of that trade, but there's a potential 100, 200% on that trade without you wanting to micromanage that trade. Right. If you start micromanaging it again, you can give yourself a lot of stress. But if you're like, OK, you know, I have enough time. I have um, my position size is good. You should be fine. So there's different ways. There's covered calls. There's spreads. There's a million ways shorting stocks, buying stocks. There's a million ways to play this game. What we're talking about is blindly buying the dip and listening to anyone that says the market's going to crash to like 2008 levels or anyone telling you the market's going to you just i think people need to start thinking level to level even if you're an investor it just helps you digest the information much better yep yep so i think we've got that whole subject out of the way now so let's move to the hot topic man let's let's talk about what happened today did you watch the um apple world whatever it's called wwd did you watch it WD no, I, it's for the entire week, right? Um, I believe so. I thought today was like the main day, though. They revealed the new MacBook Air that is, that's coming out, which is essentially the body of the new MacBook Pro with the M2 chip in it. But the biggest announcement that they had was that um, Apple's now getting in the buy now, pay later business, which automatically made a firm drop. 6% after hours. Let me see where it's at right now. But that is a game changer because, you know, a firm was kind of the leader in that. I wouldn't say the, the main leader, but they were kind of, they had a, struck a deal with Amazon. So it was not bad. I believed in a firm for a while. I did buy it at 38. I bought it at some other price as well. Um, I definitely took an L on that one. Uh, it's at $23 right now. It dropped a five point five percent during the regular hours and is down like point thirty percent right now. So yeah, so it's twenty three dollars right now. Um, but yeah, Apple leaps into the BNPL space, so that's basically taking a, a hit on um, a firm. And like you were saying, you and I were talking about this. I don't know why Apple won't just buy a firm. Yeah, because they could. They could do that, or they're just trying to tank the stock so low to the point where they will then buy it. So we will see, but this is a game changer for folks because now that kind of opens up um, the the ability for people who don't have a lot of money to start purchasing Apple products. On, Man, it, on, it's also risky. It's also risky, right? There, dude. This is instant gratification. Taking advantage of that, people are gonna go broke doing the shit. Like I worked in retail all my life, and they said back when I worked. These credit cards that people signed up for, I don't know if you have the same thing there, like buy something, make it pay, pay in 12 different payments. Now you, you yeah. say buy now. And the credit card company that was tied up with my company that said 65% of people never pay on time, meaning they have to pay interest for the entire amount. So let's say you bought something for $10,000. You said, I'm going to pay in 12 months. 12 different payments or 12 months. They don't care. But after 12 months, if you don't pay, they charge you interest, which was like crazy 30% per month for the entire year. And yeah. But that's, but that's also a risk that Apple's taking on, right? Cause yeah. you're kind of exposing yourself to individuals who obviously don't have the money to pay it upfront, who probably don't have credit cards. So they 
doing this whole installment thing. So what happens when they default in in that space, right? It's going to kind of be on on Apple's dime then, right? If they default on those those loans they're, or not. They're insurance companies. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Because I was looking at um just the credit card um stats currently, dude. There's a lot of people defaulting right now. There's yeah. a lot of people are behind payments. That's again another sign. Like, why are people thinking that the economy is, is is doing well right now? People are falling behind left and right on these these credit cards. So it's it's very it's very iffy. I, I got to be very careful. Um, also, isn't this week uh, CPI right? Uh, Friday, yes. Friday. So that's another thing to try to be careful about because when that happens, we usually know the market will act kind of funny, especially on Friday. It will probably you know, maybe tank a little bit and then range for a while until Powell speaks and then it will make a decision whether it's going to go up or down. Um, what do you think? What do you think the numbers are going to be? So the way you want to think about this, think simple. So numbers come out on Friday. When the number comes out, it's already too late. It's a lag indicator, right? It's CPI is what's happened in the past. So the reaction comes on Thursday. What will happen on Thursday? So if we are put heavy, people will sell put to take profits. If we're call heavy, people will sell calls to take profit because they want to release whatever position they are because it can go either way. Does that make sense? So on yeah. Thursday, let's say first half of the day we're ripping. The last mm -hmm. half of the day, you're going to see people start selling. Make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. Because yeah. we're taking profit. If we're deep red, those puts will come off now. Because people will take profit. CPI itself doesn't really do much. People balance their books. The dealers will balance the book because people balance it. That's how I think about it. I never trade based on if CPI will be good or bad. Because now the problem is CPI could be horrible and people might like it because that means Fed will be lenient. Does that make sense? Yeah, the Fed will probably lean towards not raising and being so a talkish. Yeah. Easier play is Thursday. Okay. Thursday. All right. Yeah. And if you guys are ever interested in knowing like when the Fed is talking, there's multiple different websites. The one that I like is uh forexfactory.com. And then there's another one. Um it was called I thought it was economy or economy. Yeah, just this forex um yeah, forexfactory.com. It kind of gives you a breakdown of what is happening every single day, what meetings are happening. Cause sometimes you may see that the market will kind of be choppy. And all of a sudden, we just start spiking up or down. And it's typically reason to it. And it's probably because it was some sort of meeting by the Fed or someone has some sort of news that came out that end up pushing the market in a specific direction. I got to pay attention to that specifically because, again, I, I'm, I'm more heavier on a futures market. So that's like a big player for me. I need to know exactly what's going on, what's happening during those days. So uh, so Thursday, you're saying, will probably be the, the more aggressive day versus Friday. It'll be easier to play Thursday because you could see the flow coming in and see what's happening. And usually um, if the if we're going directionally one way or the other, the direction does change at the last two hours. That's where you can if you know how to play SPX, that's where you can make a lot of money. So let's say we start ripping on Thursday and we're hitting a key supply area and we're coming in the last two hours. I will start playing puts and then the opposite because people want to go cash for the next day. Okay. Now let's get into the um, the lesson for the week. I'm going to cover a uh, stock here real quick that everyone was really excited about. And that is, I don't know, can you see it? That is Amazon. Let me pull it up. Make I feel like it's kind of 
shrunk here. Let me make it bigger. Is it full screen there? So yeah, we're good. Yeah. All right. So you guys can see I marked two key levels. Now, obviously, Amazon split. I had a lot of people ask me, hey, when do you think is a good time to buy Amazon? I, you know, the, the level I called out that I was comfortable buying at was at 2K initially when it was going down. It went all the way down to $2,025. So I was off by $25 before it ended up running up a little bit before the split. And that's kind of like what Mo was talking about earlier. You have your level set because they're not going to be perfect, right? Like I was close. 2000 was my was my area where I wanted to buy. I was very, very adamant about it. Um, it didn't quite hit there, but it did hit. It, it was close. It went to $2,025, and look where it went. It went to $2,400 on Friday, so that you could have made an easy $400 profit. Um, but I didn't. I didn't. I, I hesitated. I didn't purchase, so it is what it is. But I knew once a split happens, and historically, if you look at splits, what typically happens, um, Mo, during the split, they end up tanking for a while, right? They will split, and then it ends up going down. Correct? Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Yep. We so, saw that with Apple. That Apple was the biggest example. Yep. Apple. Um, well, another one was Trade Desk because I was trading Trade Desk for a long time. I love Trade Desk. Obviously, it's kind of shit stock now because, you know, the whole advertisement space has changed. But that's another one. Um, when it split, it, it went up for a little bit and then it tanked. So I, I marked my areas where I'm willing to buy. So, again, I'm not going to buy Amazon. I said I was going to. It didn't reach 2000 So, that has passed for me. I'm not buying Amazon, but I'm saying if I would, this would be the levels that I would buy at because instead what I decided to do instead of buying individual stocks all the time, like I've been doing, because I want Target, I want Home Depot, I want Amazon and I want Tesla. So instead of just buying all of those individually, especially during this bearish market, I just went and started buying XLY because I have exposure to every single one of those that I, um, companies that I'm interested in, in XLY. But if you're interested in, in, in Amazon, what I'm thinking, I believe that it's possibly going to go down to um, between $91 and 101 So if I were going to buy, I would buy within that range between $91 and 101 100 would probably be just perfect. And obviously, if it fails that $91, the next level that I would actually probably load a lot would be at the $71 range. That's all I really have when it comes to that. I just want to cover Amazon because everyone keeps talking about Amazon, wants to know what the levels are. This is what I have. And obviously, they got earnings coming up on um, July 1st. I'm not sure how the earnings are going to be. Um, it was disappointing last time, I believe, right? I think they reported, yeah, they, it was a surprise. It was negative. They were, they were down on their earnings last time. I don't see much that has changed between then and now. Again, the economy, supply chain issues. It could potentially be another negative um, earnings report with Amazon, which will definitely bring it down to uh, 100 and below, in my opinion. So there we go. Let me stop that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you have any questions on that? Mo, what do you think? You, you agree with, with my little thesis here on Amazon? I got a text this morning and it's a, um, he's my family friend. He's a mortgage broker. And the text was... Um, when are you buying Amazon? This is true story. I'm not making it up because you're doing it. And um, my price was um, whatever was 2,500 divided by 20. I got my price. My target was 1,500. That's where I would buy, which comes to 75. And that's what I told them. I'm going to look again. Levels though. I can't wait for next thing. You know, it does 75.5 and I miss out. Right. 
So yeah. I'll look at what the levels are, but 75, I think it, we get there. Um, and then you're right about the Amazon earning. Every time I think about a business and earning, is it a want or a need? What is the stuff that Amazon sells? Do I need it? Is it grocery? Is it staple? Most of the shit that we ordered from Amazon, me and my wife, we don't need. This is shit. Oh, it looks cute. Add it. Add it. Check out. And then it shows up. We forget about it. That's what we do. And now when recession hits, people actually start cutting down that stuff. Okay, we don't need it. Go return it. We don't need that. Don't order that. Does that make sense? And if yeah. that stuff cuts that marginal profit, that's where the margin is usually. You ordered yeah. something cool and like... Yeah, but you add additional stuff to it to, to, to bring up the bill. For example, like if you need toothpaste, right? You get a pack of toothpaste for $15, but you get free shipping for the next or same day delivery or next day delivery if you spend at least $25. So yeah. then you buy more stuff to equal up to $25 or more. And that's how they get you. But like you said, um, we're in a very likely recession era that we're hitting right now or going to. I still think we're going to hit. Um, we're going to be in a recession. I think we're in a recession right now. Uh, but if you look at what happened to Walmart and Target and Dollar General, those are places that I was really expecting for their earnings to be really good. I, I, I was surprised that it didn't do as well as expected because those are usually the go-to places when you need to stretch your dollar. So if that is an indicator, what makes you think that Amazon is going to outperform Walmart and Dollar General? Granted, I know people are saying, well, you could just, you know, it gets delivered to your house. Yes, that's true. But again, if Walmart didn't do that well what makes you think that the essential items from amazon were going to do very well so i'm very curious to see what's going to happen with amazon um you know i know a guy i work with a guy he bought at um i think 24 and then it split and he sold it today because that was always his plan he was like i'm gonna i'm gonna sell it when it splits because he knows historically as well typically yeah. when it split it ends up going down for a while until it finds its level and then it starts creeping back up. So I'm not going to buy right now. Those were just the levels. If I was going to buy, I like XLY. Uh, it fulfills my FOMO because I get everything that I want in XLY, XLY right now. And it's pretty low. Um, you know, I only bought a few shares. I scaled in. Um, I'm going to start buying a lot more when, once uh, we get in a deeper bearish level. So, um, and, and what are you going to cover today, Mo? Uh, well, we've been talking about flow. Let's talk about it. So there's different um, flow services you can use for retail. Um, okay, perfect. So I'll share something with you. Uh, one of my mentors, he's managed a hedge fund. And one of the things like I get to see firsthand from him was um, there's different services, but the ones that they used were called uh, Trade Alert. And trade alerts about $500 a month if you do yearly. Otherwise, it's $750 a month for flow service. That's what usually what most of the funds use. Um, most of the other flow services usually takes data from them and put it nicely so retail can easily read it. Because if you read how um, it's actually given out to the fund institution, it's really hard. You need to understand spreads to see it because we've talked about this before. Most of the flow comes uh, in terms of spreads. It's never directional. Most of the big bets are not directional, they're spreads. Um, I just wanted to bring that out because um, a lot of people say this flow service is better that it's better in terms of how they present you the data, but the information coming, there's only one source of truth. 
So most of the fl uh, flow, it's one form, uh, it's one single truth, and then it's dispatched basically how different people take it, and then it's presented to you. And that's why most people are like, oh, I like uh, how this graph's broken down in terms of what I use Trady Ticks. And um, I like them. I've used other services before, but that's what I have for my Discord. And so that was the basis of where the flow comes from. Um, what I want to get into is the basic stuff, the easy stuff that you can catch. Otherwise, learning flow can take years of practice. And I'll be honest, even I'm not there uh, because it could take years of catching. Okay, this could be um, this could be a trap or this seemed legit or this is just part of a spread because you have to understand 42% of the flow comes from dark pool. And the source here is the SEC's website. Um, that's one. Second is flow can be wrong, which we talked about. Uh, all these puts that came uh, last week, they actually rolled over to July 15th. So they took an L or they basically rolled over. So they got closer to the money because they don't want data to lose all its value because these are in like millions. So knowing that you want to use this as like an indicator, uh, meaning is it by next to support? Is it next to resistance? And then the last thing I want to point out before we get into it is there's a lot of people that play pain trades. Pain trades is what will make most people lose money. Meaning sometimes, like I'll give you an example of Friday. Everyone was super bullish on for Friday. Market's going to rip. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. All market did was chop, right? Mm -hmm. So make sure there's people that are betting on the pain side. So the most amount of money made on Friday was actually selling these calls and puts to us because the market was chopping. And so the theta was doing its job and people that were into out the money calls, they were losing on zero days because the market was just chopping. You had to be in and out fast to make money, all right? So, so again, so you're saying that that even though you're using this, use this more as an indicator versus like actual factual information that's coming in and out, because this is again, considered level one, right? Or is it considered level two? Um, this is not level level two. That that information comes from broker. That's the live data we're talking about. That shows what's by. That's accurate. This is flow. It basically condenses big orders. Where are they coming from? What I'm saying is, these are not a single source of truth either, because forty two percent of these orders are going through dark pool. So it could be a part of a spread. Does that make sense? Yes. So calls might be coming here. Spreads. The easy stuff that we'll get into is the way I filter this information when I'm looking. So we go on live option flow again. There's a lot of free services that you can use. So I'm nowhere uh, associated with them or make any kind of money promoting them. So you guys do whatever you like. Um, I like to look at above ask. So above ask basically means that they're bought, not sold. Um, so I look at this stuff because uh, I want to know if they were bought or sold. If it's below bid or matching bid, then they were sold. Um, and I try avoiding looking at spreads. That's rule number one. The second thing for me that I look for is I look for expiry. So if you look at it, July 15th has a lot coming in. July 15th and June 17th, that's OPEX month. That's what they hit that has because that has the most liquidity. That also tells you if you're a new trader, those are the strike prices you want to pick. So OPEX months is basically third Friday of every month. Those have the most liquidity for any uh, ticker you can check unless... There's a binary event happening like Apple might be more because the WWDC event. So once you have above ask, let's break down Amazon because Mark talked about Amazon. 
So this is above ask for puts and calls, right? So above ask, above ask, that's what we look. The second thing I look for is expire, like I told you. If something's coming for 23, 24, I'm not looking at it because I want to know what's going to happen now, tomorrow or day after, because I'm playing weekly. There could be a 40 million leap. I don't care. It's I want to know what's going to happen. Is it moving up 10 or 20 points now or it's going to consolidate? That's so. So let's start with the flow. First of all, it says it's bullish 7.76 net, uh, net premium. This is a ratio. None of this matter, and I'll explain you why. And I had this conversation with someone who owns one of this platform. This could be net premium, and we can still go down tomorrow. And that's because of Vena, Gamma, and Charm. People could be closing their calls, okay? They're not buying puts. They're just closing their calls because CPI is coming, and they don't want to take the risk. Closing that calls can cause the stock to drop. Profit taking can cause the drop. So I don't really take these numbers seriously. Again, this is although very bullish. Second thing is this is not live. A lot of this stuff, because it's coming from dark pool, this could be negative 7 million because of MOC. That means market order on close. That's the rebalance thing they do right at close of what they need to buy and close. So we might have, so I'll give you an example, a normal MOC could be anywhere from 200 million to a billion dollar. These are rebalancing that happen every night and every morning. The one that happened night or call market on close, MOC. The ones that happen in the morning or call MOO, market at open. This is stuff that might seem complicated, but my job is to make it simple for you guys. Um, so back to it. I look above ask, then I look what is for. So it's recent. I'm going to look at these times. So this came, the last two came at 354 and 357. They came for this week and the premium is 85 and 33. Okay, so this is not a big amount, guys. 85 and 33 is not a big amount for Amazon, right? This is not Sophie or Zumia. This is Amazon. So that you consider the amount, you consider the expiry. So let's go down. That's how I read it. And I'm looking for the last hour because the day is already gone. That's all I'm interested in the last hour for tomorrow preparation. So then we have these three calls above ask, above ask, above ask. And the premium now is half a million, 9360. That's what do you think? Is that good enough? Half a million on a weekly? Sorry, my bad. This is not weekly. So this is for 23. This is a leap. So I'm going to ignore this. This is for June 9060. Nothing here really stands out. So I, and my job is to basically be transparent. This data doesn't help me much. So I'm not going to look at it. You can now also arrange this by premium. So this is by premium. This is also you can do. This came 10, 13 in the morning, right? I'm not going to take this seriously because they may have taken the profit. So you can look at what strike price, what they came. And then tomorrow compare the volume. So you can look at the volume today. And then you can look at the volume tomorrow, uh, not the volume, sorry, the OI, and see if the OI went up and down because volume resets every single day. OI doesn't. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you can look at that. Um, teaching flow in the in 10 minutes is not possible, but I want to give you the gist of it. And the gist of it is three things matter. The expiry date. It needs to be recent, especially if you're playing weekly, is the premium amount because it could be just in hedge. And then the third thing is, does it match with the chart? 
if the chart is free falling and you see calls coming in, that is not an indication for you to buy. So just use it as an indicator and not like be all end all, which like a lot of people promote that. So don't do it that way. That's it from me, Mark. We can continue this again next week. I guarantee you that that flow that came in at 1030, they took that off. Yeah. I guarantee you, because I mean, Amazon ran today. It would be stupid to hold it overnight. Well, and, and that was a weekly too. That was for next. Oh, well, no, it was ne- next week, right? The sixth or seventeenth, I think it's, I said. No, it's for the OPEX. Yeah, for this month. OPEX, if you, yeah. if, so you could look how much they paid for it. You could see how much they've made. Um, they probably, man, they probably made at least sixty percent on this minimum. So they mm-hmm. at least would have made just looking at it about seven hundred k off of it. And after that, Amazon started going down. So. I don't know if they held it because uh, the chart literally started dropping. We started free falling today uh, sometime around lunch. Yeah. Well, what's interesting, it was that leap that you saw that you, you thought was like for the weekly there for a second. That was for 2023. Yeah. Right. Yep. And a half a million. That That's kind of a big deal. Um, what was the strike on that? Can you pull that up again real yeah, quick? It's, it's, so it's it's 589, so roughly 600K for... for one, oh, see, 124. The strike was, one, right? 124 yeah. was... Yeah. That's the spot or the strike? Oh, you want to know the strike price? The strike yeah. price, 68 strike price. Oh, right there, strike, 68. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. they went deep in the money. Yeah, so they just want, they want to park it there for a second just to make sure... Um, they'll make a premium that's kind of what we were talking about i think it was with you i was talking about it where institutions are parking their money uh deep in the money and it's just kind of a way to to leave it because it won't hurt as bad once it drops but once it goes up it's gonna it's gonna look pretty nice so um we don't we don't know what kind of spread they're working it could be a spread this could be one leg and then the mm-hmm. other like could be they could be selling it uh to cover the cost of this too like that's why i want like uh, our job is to be transparent for people that don't know, especially new traders, because a lot of people just sell based on, hey, come join me or buy, buy this platform because volume is just another way. Flow is not for, sorry, volume. Flow is just another indicator. Your biggest indicator, and I'll keep saying that, is your risk management and discipline, which comes down to your mindset. Yep. And here's a secret, everybody on Twitter, when they put out these calls, they're getting it from the flow chart. So if you notice, a lot of that stuff is from a flow chart that they copy and paste into their Twitter feed. And they're like, these, these are the calls or this, this, uh, these numbers came in, the volume came in here, the OI came here. Those are from those, um, those bots and those um, programs and stuff and software companies. But yeah, man, um, uh, do you have anything else? Um, no, I just, the only thing that I really, really tell everyone, including my parents, my friends, this is a golden opportunity. You could either blow it off and look back five years later and say, fuck, I missed it. Or you could start if you didn't prepare. It's OK. I get it. Uh, I've been in there in that situation. But you could you still have time. Prepare for it and take extreme actions like I really, truly think the next five years are going to be magical for a lot of people. Yes. If you play this opportunity right it definitely will be. And again, even on the investing side, don't get caught up too much about uh, the prices where they are right now. I mean, granted, some of them may not reach, like coin may not go back to 500 uh, or wherever it was at. Um, There's some companies that won't go up to where they were again, but I would say the good companies, the healthy companies, um, if you can get them at a discount, 
you know, and you're willing to hold them, I don't think you're going to be disappointed five to 10 years from now. It's just what price do you want to get in at and how much is your risk tolerance to the point where you can stomach the, the drop, essentially. So that's, that's the best way to put it out there. Hey, man, I do have a question for you, man. Have you ever heard of uh, Options Alpha? No. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm not here trying to promote them or anything like that. I, I came across them, and they have a, a software that they sell. That's basically what they're doing. They're selling a software, which is a bot for options. Have you ever heard of that before? I've heard a lot of uh, like uh, scripts where basically tells you where to buy, where to sell. Is that what you're talking about? No, it does everything for you. Like you put in what your tolerance is, how much you're willing to risk. And the bot apparently will trade for you in your private account. Okay. It's very interesting. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't know if you have, I have never heard of that before. I've never seen anyone else use it. I came across it. It was very interesting. I may check it out one day. I was just seeing like, have you ever heard of that since you're heavy into no. it? No, yeah. never. Yeah, because I know all my experiences with bots have never been good. <laughs> so, well, how can it be, right? You're competing. So, 80% of the institution trading, day trading is done by bots. Can't come. Like, I don't want to say, I don't even know about like the stuff you're talking about. So, like, try it out. I don't want to be negative about it, but like, I yeah, don't. My, really... Well, my experience with bots, it was in futures. I tried several different bots in futures. It just didn't work out for me. I, f- I felt like the risk tolerance was way too high. Like, I mean, I was risking a lot of money for a small profit. And to me, that was not okay. I'd rather just kind of manage my own risk. So I was just just curious if you've ever um, heard of any of those. But yeah, man, I, I got nothing else um, other than that. Uh, we definitely went a little bit over time. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, I think there was a lot of gems dropped in here. So again, if you haven't subscribed yet, why not? You know, just subscribe. Just click that button, you know, smash the like button. Share this video with other people who you think may be interested in this. And of course, click that bell button to get notified every single time we drop a video. Once again, you can hear us on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, as well as Apple Podcasts and other different podcasts out there. But of course, if you want to get the visual, which is, I think, more important, you can hear us on YouTube as well as watch us on YouTube because we do go over these charts and we're very transparent on what we provide. There are no secrets like those numbers I, I, I called out for Amazon. It's simple supply and demand on the one day chart. That's all I did right now. And Mo showed you, you know, his his uh, tactics. He also showed you the um, the flow chart. So there is no secrets out there. Um, so just tune in every single week. Guys, support us. Again, share. We just started this. We try to get our numbers out there. So spread the word. And, of course, you can find me on my private YouTube channel called Trading with a Dummy. You can find me on Instagram as well, Trading with a Dummy. I'm also on Twitter, but not as much. Where can they find you, Mo? Uh, OTB Clubhouse on Instagram and uh, Mo Shark OTB at Twitter. <laughs> so, all right, guys. So, other than that, I see you guys next week. Peace out. Mm-hmm.